This is episode 520 of the AWS podcast, released on May 4th, 2022. Hi all, just a quick note that we had some audio issues with this particular recording. We tried our best to make it as good as possible. Hope it's okay, but thanks for understanding. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesh here with you. Great to have you back for a launch episode, something new is coming out. And I'm joined by two very special guests to talk to me about this. The first one is Osama Nassim, who's a Senior Product Manager here at AWS. G'day, Osama. How are you doing? Hi, Simon. I'm very well. Thank you for having us. And we're joined by Nabanita Maji, who is a Software Development Engineer here. G'day, Nabanita. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm very, very well. So... We are talking about all kinds of streaming things and management things, etc. But before we get into the details of what we're releasing, Osama, maybe let's talk about what data streaming is and how it fits into the IT ecosystem. Yeah, so data streaming is uh, a relatively new uh, technology in the data in- infrastructure that customers are using today to you know, process their data and draw insights from it. Where it sits in the stack is that you know you have tons of uh, varied data sources these days that are producing data at extremely high speeds and, you know, it's coming from a variety of sources. So think mobile telephones, think website streams, uh, think logs, application logs, and all that data needs to be, uh, you know, processed in real time if you are going to make the best use out of it, such as, you know, drawing insights or uh, triggering notifications or showing customers recommendations while they're shopping. So data streaming is a technology that makes that real-time processing possible, uh, where it is capable of uh, not only ingesting large amounts of data that is being produced at high volume and at high speed, but also making it available to applications that can then consume that data in near real-time. And so that, that streaming, you know, it's one of those classic things. It sounds easy, but once people dove into it, I guess they started building solutions to it. And one of the most popular ones out there is something called Apache Kafka. Besides a fancy name, what does it do? Yeah, so Apache Kafka is an open source tool that basically makes it easy for you to stream data and store data that is being produced at high volume. So it's basically something that allows you to process data as it's coming in and, and then have it available for other applications for you to, to read from it and then make, make sense of that data. And so basically by providing something that everyone could sort of develop and, and build into, it of course then creates a, a really useful component. But again, I, I guess, again, that's where customers often come to us and say, hey, that sounds great, but I'd really like not to manage it. So uh, then the next thing happened. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the natural evolution of this uh, technology and, and how AWS typically operates is that we listen to our customers. Uh, and we had this uh, service, service called Kinesis Data Streams for the longest time. Uh, but customers were coming to us and saying, hey, can you, you know, we, we love Apache Kafka as well as a technology. And can you, can you help us run it or can you help us manage it? And while the technology is great, managing is a headache. It requires a lot of uh, special expertise. Uh, it requires us to invest in a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of automation and tooling for us to run it efficiently. Uh, and that is bread and butter for AWS, right? That is what we specialize in. So uh, we said, sure. We we went back to the drawing board and, and we came up with Amazon MSK, which is a fully managed service for Apache Kafka. And it allows customers to run Apache Kafka workloads without having to worry about operational overhead of managing their own Kafka clusters. So yeah, and the service has been around for three years. It's been 
very successful ride. And now we are, you know, innovating and, and something that we'll be diving in today further. So obviously customers have been using Amazon MSK for a while. And at reInvent, we talked about the fact that we wanted to make it even easier. And that's about creating something called Amazon MSK Serverless. So what are we announcing today? Yeah, so as you pointed out, Amazon MSK Serverless uh, is something which we announced in public preview at reInvent. Initially, it was only available in a few regions. But today, we are announcing general availability of it, which means that it's available in, a, in, in many more regions and then customers can go and start using it just like they would any other service. So, you know, it's available in nine regions starting today and customers can use it using the standard AWS tooling, right? Like whether from the directory from the AWS console or use the CLI, the SDK or CloudFormation um, and then use it and give us feedback. And so, you know, if, if I've got something that's already managed, why would having a serverless version help? Yeah, so uh, actually, let me maybe take a step back and describe a little bit as well what MSK serverless is. Mm. So MSK mm. serverless is, uh, you know, yet another cluster type that uh, Amazon MSK is supporting. So if you're familiar with Amazon MSK, you know, what you would do is that in a typical MSK cluster, what we're now calling MSK provisioned is you would go and tell us, what number of brokers or basically, you know, uh, capacity you need and then, you know, what type of capacity you need. Uh, and that requires you to sort of you know, really know about your workload in advance uh, and be able to tell us exactly how much you need. And and that is great because then that gives you, you know, predictability of, of what you're buying. However, a lot of customers have come, us and to, come to us and told us that, hey, we don't know, uh, you know, what our workloads are or how they will scale. So MSK serverless is a cluster type that allows you to get started with Apache Kafka without having to worry about capacity planning or capacity provisioning, which then means that you know your client applications can get started with Apache Kafka capacity without having to you know worry about whether they'll run out of capacity or they'll run out of scale. So it's another cluster type and and sort of like then transitioning into why should customers use it, the, the benefits that I described are sort of what prompt cost or what what should prompt customers to use it is if you have workloads that are unpredictable in nature in terms of uh, you simply don't know what they will become when they grow up. They are new workloads. You're starting small. <laughs> you don't know what they will what they will become when they grow, and and you just, you you don't want to like you know think about it upfront and have that sort of you know cognitive overload of figuring out what amount of capacity I should get for this workload or what it becomes when it grows up. It's almost like trying to understand how kids how quickly my kid will grow up and sort of you know trying to think staying ahead of the in terms of <laughs> buying them clothes. clothes is like yeah <laughs> exactly so that they don't know how to grow out of it, but while kid growth is fairly predictable, this one is not. And also, you don't get enough time to, to react. So MSK Serverless allows you to get started without having to worry about, okay, if my workload suddenly grows quickly over time, then would I have enough capacity to service it? How quick can it adapt? Like, is there a, is there sort of a, a curve that it runs to, or is it kind of like um, it, it'll just figure it out as it goes? No, so it's instantaneous uh, to the capacity limits that we offer. And, you know, we have, what do you call it? And we will touch a bit more about the, about the specific features and specific capacity limits. And, and I'll, I'll let some of my colleagues talk about them. But basically, it's instantaneous. And as a result, customers don't have to worry about, will there be a lag between when I need capacity and when it will be available? So let's dive into some of those those features and capabilities because we're, we're fortunate to have some of the folks that help build it uh, on the line. So what are some things that you think our listeners would, would particularly be interested to learn more about? Navanita, you want to take that one? 
Yeah. So some of the key benefits that you get out of serverless, I know Sama touched on it a bit, is you don't have to worry about you know, capacity planning. But then the other part of it is you don't also have to worry about where you're placing your data and, you know, how, what is the replication that you need for your data? Because with serverless, you kind of create a cluster, which by the way, happens in five minutes, which is pretty amazing for any, (laughs) anyone who has set up Kafka. So you kind of create a cluster and then you start using it and you just say, you know, create me a topic. And you don't worry about where that topic goes, who is your leader, where are they placed, what is your application factor and all of that. You just basically start using it. So there's a lot of undifferentiated heavy lifting that's sort of been taken away there. What what, what would, like if, if I was building this by hand, uh, building my Kafka cluster by hand from scratch, how long would it take? You know, if, if you're saying that a serverless one can kind of be ready to go in five minutes, which which sounds fast, but what, is, what does normal look like? So if you were building your own Kafka cluster and assuming you do it on EC2 instances, you got to order your capacity, maybe set up your auto-scaling groups, um, you know, multi-AC, multi-DC. Uh, then you got to install, you know, your Kafka binaries on all of those. Uh, you got to set up your Zookeeper binaries. You got to configure them so There's they a act lot as of a custom. <laughs> yes. So, so basically <laughs> we're talking about the difference between I barely have time to make a cup of coffee versus I need to cancel my lunch break and do my work over my lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I mean, you can go with provisioned. It still takes 30 minutes mm, and mm. Um, just for comparison. And so how, how do I choose between the two? You know, I've got, I've got serverless, I've got non, non-serverless or server, <laughs> depending on how you want to call it, the, the more traditional one. How do I choose as a customer which one I should reach for? Yeah, I, I can take that one. So the answer is an unsatisfying, it depends. Uh, <laughs> it's always it, it depends it, yeah it, it so the way we think about it and and we we don't pick favorites between the two because we believe firmly believe that there are use cases for both and one is better suited for some and the other is better suited for others so how to think about it is as i said right if you have workloads that are highly variable so like let's say they they need capacity at one time during the day but then don't require it for the rest of the time during the day or maybe you're you know uh, you're testing out a new service and you're not quite sure what the workload is or how, how much capacity you'll need or maybe your your developers are are developing against Kafka but they only need that capacity at specific times when they're making deployments or when they're using that so in those cases msk serverless is a really good fit because then you don't have to you know have a cluster up and running at all times or, or the alternative, which is to like, you know, bring it up and then strike it down every time. On the flip side, though, if you have long running workloads and, you know, you have fairly predictable traffic patterns where you know that your traffic will follow a certain curve and it allows you the time to sort of either scale up and scale down or, you know, you're comfortable having stable capacity. In those cases, MSK provision can actually become much more cost effective. So then you can, you know, uh, stay with it. And also it gives you more predictability around your capacity. So I think from that point of view, those are the two, those are the two sort of differentiating factors. And one more thing I would say is since we have few limits on MSK serverless in terms of the, the upper limit of the size of workload you can run, MSK provision is actually virtually limitless because you, you can go up to, you know, up to 100 brokers in a cluster and each of those brokers can be really large. So from that point of view, you're not really bound by a specific limit when using gotcha. MSK provision. Gotcha. So, yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're not sure it's more transient type workloads and serverless becomes pretty obvious, if you have a better grip or you've got really, really, really large capacity, then you're looking yeah. at MSK. So. Yeah. Gives you a nice, a nice uh, approach there. What about pricing? How does that work? 
Yeah, so pricing in terms of uh, provision, I think customers might already be aware you provision brokers and you provision storage and you sort of pay for however much you provision and, and on an hourly basis usually. In MSK serverless, it's there are two components to pricing. So our primary pricing is throughput-driven or data-driven. So the amount of data that you write or the amount of data that you consume or the amount of data that you store determines your overall cost. And and that's really neat because that means that if you're if you're sending less data, you're paying less. And if you're sending more data, you're paying more. So it's, it's really proportional to your usage. Uh, there is a slight, there is a small component of hourly pricing. And that is required for us to make sure that your cluster's capacity is available at all times to you. So, you know, we have a small hourly charge for the per cluster. And then if you're, if you're creating partitions, which is basically how Kafka stores data, then there is a very minuscule charge per partition per hour as well. Uh, the information, as you know, is available on our pricing page, and there are a couple of examples as well that that describe how to calculate your pricing for MSK Serverless. Fantastic. So if I'm listening and I'm thinking, mm, MSK Serverless fits some use cases I have, how can I get started? Yeah, so I think you you can get started depending on what you what you're looking for. If you're looking for more information, you can go to our product pages, and you know there's a bunch of FAQs that help you sort of walk through what MSK Serverless can and cannot do. And then on the on the flip side, if you're looking for more technical sort of like getting started experience, then you can go to our documentation, public documentation, which is our developer guide. And that then guides you through sort of, you know, the step by step of how to set up a cluster and how to configure your applications to speak with that cluster. And that then allows you to sort of, you know, get started very quickly. Uh, and then we'll be coming out with more content in the in the coming weeks and months to help guide customers through like migrations, et cetera, et cetera. So there's tons of content there for you to sort of self-service yourself and get started. Fantastic. Lots to come. And there'll be links in the show notes to all those locations as well. Osama, thanks so much for coming on board today and giving us a bit of insight into this new capability. Yeah. And, and thank you, Simon, for having us. And thanks, Namanita, uh, also for, for, having, uh, for helping out with, the, with some of the details of the service. Fantastic. And we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.